support them in that. All right, well, there's something that usually happens after a big event. Now, most of my life I've played sports, and you work, 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 and you're either getting ready for the game, or, you're, or you play the game, and you're getting in a tournament, or the tournament, and you get to the end, and you know, there was something that, that always happens that I think is it's kind of exciting and it's kind of cruel. Perhaps you work and you work and you work and you work and you get to this big event and for some people they win. You know, you get to the end of it and you accomplish your goal and you win and then all of a sudden it's over and then the question becomes, okay, now what? And it's kind of cruel that way. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, Tiger Woods made a great comeback, won the Masters tournament, and then you see them celebrate that win for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden everybody starts back with the, is he going to get his 82nd win? Is he going to catch Jack Nicklaus and pass him in, in the Masters? You know, you get these, uh, I'm, I love watching hockey right now, and I keep getting reminded that the last time the Stars won was 20 years ago, and I go, that couldn't have been 20 years, you know, but it seems like that you forget some of the great things that happens. But the amazing thing that happens to most of us all the time is you have this great accomplishment and then you just want something else to happen. And it seems like we live our life at times wanting to go from great accomplishment to great accomplishment to great accomplishment. But what most of us realize is if you're going to actually achieve some of these things, there's a lot of discipline and a lot of work that happens in leading up to it. And sometimes we just focus on the highlight reel or sometimes we just focus on the big things and we miss the question sometimes, well, well, now what? And actually, I think it's very appropriate that we talk about this today after celebrating Easter, probably the greatest celebration in all of history, the greatest event in all of history. Can you put yourself in the position this morning of the disciples who followed Jesus who struggled at times in following Jesus, Peter betrays and Judas betrays and you have all these things that are happening. And then Jesus is resurrected. He appears to his disciples in many different ways and then he ascends into heaven and I'm sure the disciples were standing there going, okay, well, well now, now what? What are we supposed to do now? Actually, God's word tells us a little bit about this. Jesus in some of his last words to his disciples before he ascends to heaven, he has them gathered on the side of the mountain. He says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So here's the picture I want you to get. Jesus, the resurrected Lord and Savior who overcame sin and death, is standing in front of his disciples. He's about to ascend into heaven, and he says, okay, here's, here's what's next. Here's what you do next. Now you go and you make disciples. You baptize them. You teach them about salvation. And not only do you teach them about salvation, then you walk with them and you teach them everything that I've commanded you. Now, I will just tell you, that doesn't sound as exciting as witnessing the resurrection at times. We're nervous at this point. I mean, Jesus, I would imagine even if I was a disciple, I'm incredibly nervous at this point. 
I might even say, you know what, I really liked when I was following Jesus around, and he was the one doing all the work, really, and, and we were just supporting him and learning him. But now that he's leaving, well, now what do I do? And I think for many of us who have a heartfelt desire to follow God, I think that honestly we get to some points in our life where we go, okay, well, well now what? It seems like I've you know, given my life to Christ. I got baptized. Well, well, now what? Okay, God, well, I've been following you. I, I go to church. I do this. Well, well now what? Okay, God, I'm, I'm trying to, to read my Bible and I'm trying to study. Well, well, now what? I think it's a common question that comes to us all the time. What's next? How do I then live the life that God wants me to live? And that's what we're going to talk about over these coming weeks. I want to talk to you about what it means to be all in with Christ. That's our sermon series. We're talking about being all in because here's a clue about the Christian life. It doesn't work when you halfway do it. Neither does anything else in life, amen? I mean, it's not any different, but it's not just this thing that we go, well, I'm just going to, you know, live the Christian life when it's convenient, or I'm just going to follow God's word whenever it's convenient to me, or I'm just going to, you know, maybe you know, tell someone else about Christ when I have time, or, or I'm just going to, you know, get involved at different times when, when maybe my schedule permits. Or so. it, it's not going to work. But here's the key that we need to understand about this. Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples because he wants to point them to life. He wants to point them in the direction of life. And this is what you need to hear. As we talk about this today, I'm just going to tell you, some of the things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are some of the things that seem like the work and the discipline that lead up to the great event. And a lot of times people want to skip the work and the discipline and they just want to get to the great event, right? But you have to do some of these things to actually experience the fullness of life that God wants you to experience in following him. We put it this way at the church. You, you may hear us say this all the time. I pray it often at the end of our worship services. We encourage you to go out from this place and to be a light for our community. And that's what we want people here to do. We, we want you to, to come here and be encouraged and be challenged and be refreshed. And then we want you to go out to the community and be a light. Well, what do we mean about being a light? Well, we've actually taken that. We put it in an acrostic. And uh, watch this. There's five letters in the word light. And there's five weeks in this sermon series. Can you figure out what we're going to talk about just now? The first thing that we talk about in the acrostic of, of light is we want you to live out what the Bible says. The next thing that we talk about is we want you to invite others on a journey of faith. The next thing we talk about is we want you to get into a group. We want you to help serve others. And we want you to take time to pray. And you don't have to get all that today because we're just talking about one. We're talking about living out what the Bible says today. Because that's what's most important that we need to understand today. Really, if you're going to be a light, if you're going to be all in with Christ, you can't do it on your own. And you can't do it with your own ideas. It's about living out what the Bible says. It's about living out God's word. That's the work that happens that leads to these great events. You realize that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ all occurred as he was living out exactly what the Father led him to do. And then the example that he gives his disciples and the instructions he gives his disciples before he ascends into heaven is, now, you're supposed to do what I did. You're supposed to live out these things. And as you live out these things, make disciples go and tell and teach them. 
So how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, I want to share a story that Jesus shares. It's in Matthew chapter 7. And I want us to use this as our focus today. Matthew chapter 7, it begins in verse 24. Now, Matthew chapter 7, to give you a little bit of context, he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a period, it's, it's one of the greatest sermons. It's one of Jesus' greatest teachings. He had a lot of people gathered on the mountainside, and as they gathered there, Jesus began teaching. In your Bible, it's Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 are known as the Sermon on the Mount. You could read the whole thing together. I'm going to talk about some of it later. But this is the very end of it. As Jesus is wrapping up, teaching to the people on the hillside, here's what he wraps up with. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and acts on them. You're allowed to write in your Bible, you know, and I will let you underline those words. And acts on them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Now, I'm going to pause right here in the midst of this, and we'll come back to the end of it. But I want to point out some things. It, anybody in here ever built a home? Anybody in here ever built a home or been a part of somebody building a home or had a contractor build a home for you, those type of things? It, when you go and you look at the lot and you have these things out here, usually one of the things you don't want your contractor to come back to you to say is, well, this is great, but you have about this much dirt, and then we get to rock. If your contractor says that, then what he's saying is, pay me a lot more money. Because if I'm going to have to actually build the house on this, this lot right here where there's all this rock, it can be done, but it's going to be a lot more difficult, and it's going to cost you a little bit more. Can I just give you a little secret? I talked about a lot of us don't want to necessarily do the discipline to get to the right thing. Jesus is actually saying right here that everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like the man who took the time and the effort and the cost and the sacrifice to build their house on the rock. Jesus is truthfully and honestly saying to everyone who would listen to the word more and it's going to take a little bit more effort, but it's going to be worth it. So don't ever let me confuse you in thinking that what we're saying is that, well, if you follow Jesus, then everything in your life is going to be great. No, we're not necessarily saying that. We're saying that when you build your life on Jesus' words, on the foundation of God's word, it's like putting it on the rock. It takes a little extra effort, but it's a much sturdier place to build it because he goes on to say in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. You see, here's what you need to understand. A life built on any other foundation than Jesus will eventually fail. A life built on any other foundation other than Jesus will eventually fail. Because the other thing that I love about this story is that when you look at him, you look and you say, Jesus is saying, if I take his words and I 
act on them. I live out Jesus' words. Then it's like building my house on the firm foundation of rock. But if I listen to his words and I don't do anything with them, then it's like building my house on sand. And then he gives us all a clue about real life when he says that no matter what foundation you build on, the rains come, the winds blow, and the waves crash against the house. You see, Jesus himself didn't say, hey, if you'll listen to these words of mine and take them to heart and live with them, then everything in your life will just be simple after that. No. He said, if you'll take these words of mine, you'll put them in your heart and you'll begin to live them out and act on them, then when life happens, you'll be able to stand against it. Life's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to me. There's going to be seasons in life when the rains come. There's going to be seasons in life when the wind blows. There's going to be seasons of life when the waves come and they crash against us. The question that you have to answer for yourself is, are you going to be able to stand when those things come? What Jesus is saying is, if you will act on these words of mine, then when those things come, you will be able to stand. That's why we follow God's word. A life built on any other foundation will eventually fail. You see, these words of Jesus are helping us understand how to navigate life, how to live real and genuine life. And so we need to understand, I must live out what the Bible says. It's not just a matter of coming and hearing it. It's not just a matter of studying it. It's actually the practice of putting the words of God into practice in my life that leads me to experience the life that Jesus wants for me. I will tell you this. We have done, I think, in our Americanized Christianity version of things, We've sometimes done a disservice to people. And you may have heard me say this before. I really want you to think about it. We've created a culture that at times allows people to believe that they can attend church and Bible study and study a lot of things about God and actually never do anything with it and yet somehow feel like that they're growing closer to God and they have a warm and great walk with the Lord. That is contrary to what Jesus himself says right here. He says you can come and hear and listen and appreciate and love and agree with all you want. But until you live them out, it's not going to amount to anything. That's what he's saying right here. That's why we say the first part of being a light is to actually live out what the Bible says. That's why we say that when people come and they give their life to Christ and then they go, okay, I, I believe in Jesus and I've been baptized and now I'm coming to church. Now what? Well, the now what is live out what the Bible says. And it will take you the rest of your life. And it will be exciting and it will be difficult and it will be fun and it will be hard and it will be all these type of things. But it will be worth it because it will lead to life. Jesus' half-brother James, he even says it this way in his book. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So this is a common thread throughout all 
of Scripture. And what we're talking about is in the context of how I can be all in for Christ. What does it actually mean for me to live for Christ? We want to give you over the next few weeks some pieces to put together to challenge you to think, to challenge you to go, am I experiencing life to the fullest? Because hear me on this. I want you to know that the reason we're sharing this is so that you can experience the life that Jesus desires for you. That's the why behind this. And so when you look at these pieces, I want you to be able to think, am I doing this? And today's the first piece of this. It is living out what the Bible says. And there's a key word for this. If we're living out what the Bible says to be all in with Christ, then we're going to do it intentionally. So our key word today is intentional. I'll give you another little key so you can have fun. The series is called I'm In. And for the next five weeks, I'm going to give you words that begin with N. How, about, how fun is that? Okay. So you'll be able to remember these. The first thing is that if I'm going to be all in with Jesus, I have to be intentional. And what do I mean by that? Well, I can promise you this. I've never woke up one day and went, oops, I accidentally did exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. If I'm going to do the things that God wants me to do, if I'm going to live by his word, I'm going to have to be intentional about it. And the reason I'm going to have to be intentional, and I want you to hear me on this, is because there are times that I come across things in God's word as God's word leads me and guides me and instructs me that are actually countercultural and even more than countercultural, there are times that I come across things in God's word that are counterintuitive that he tells me to live out. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. No, thank you. That is counterintuitive. That's not even countercultural. That's just hard. But he says, if you want to have life, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's actually in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. So these were some of the words that he was telling them that you have to put into practice in your life. You see what I'm saying? If I'm going to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute you, I'm not going to do that by accident. (laughs) I'm going to have to purposefully and intentionally put myself in a place where I go, okay, God, I'm going to submit to your word and you're going to have to help me do this because I don't know that I'm going to just do this on my own. You're going to have to be intentional if you're going to follow God's word. So, okay, pastor, I hear you talking. But then here comes the real question. Why would I want to do this? Why why can't I just cruise on with life like it is right now? I've learned how to navigate the ups and downs. Yeah, it's not all good, but it's not all bad either. I'm good. Why would I want to do this? Well, here's what you need to understand, that when you intentionally live out God's word, when you intentionally come to the place that you say, if God's word says it, I'm going to adjust my life to it, then here's what happens. I will gain life. I will gain life. Not earn God's love, but I will gain life. You see, the purpose in what Jesus is teaching He's teaching these things so that people can have life. John 10.10 tells us that Jesus came so that we can have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to have life. Sometimes we feel like, well, the reason I need to follow God's word is because if I don't follow God's word, he gets mad at me. And he doesn't like me anymore. Can I just tell you that that is absolutely not true? And... 
as you read God's word and begin to apply it to your life, you'll understand that that's not even in God's character, nor is it in his nature. It is a man-made false feeling that you have at times that, well, the reason that I have to do everything that's in the Bible is because God is going to get mad at me if I don't. That's not it at all. What God is trying to do is he's trying to point you in the direction of life. Life to the fullest, life more abundantly. Let me show it to you this way. Romans 5.8 says this, that God proves his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the character of God. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And even as we try to live it out and mess it up, God still loves us. Because while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's how he, you can't prove your love any greater than that. He gave it all to you before you ever even wanted it. He gave it to you. That's how God proved his love for us. And then if we think that, well, then I have to do all these things to, you know, to work and to be a Christian. Let's just put it this way. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Not from works. Not from what? Not from what? Not from works. So that anyone could boast. You're saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourself. It's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. So when we're saying that Jesus' words here are saying you need to hear my words and you need to put them into practice, he's not saying that if you don't put them into practice, I'm going to rain down on you. He's saying that when you don't put them into practice and life happens, you're not going to have a foundation to stand on because you're going to have tried to do it yourself. And you're not going to have me. And his heart in that is this. He's looking at us square in the eye and saying, I want you to have in living out my words. They're difficult at times. They're hard to put into place. But it's worth the work because you will experience life. It's not about earning God's love. It's about experiencing life. I want to point out one other verse. John 20 starts in chapter 30. John is in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the word of God is to lead you to life. John actually also gives us a little bit of something extra there. He says, I could not possibly write down everything that Jesus did. But yet Jesus stood on the side of that mountain with his disciples and looked them in the eye and said, you need to go and make disciples and you need to teach them everything that I taught you, right? And so not everything that Jesus taught them is written in this book. Some of the things were very personal. Some of the things they took away. And so I want you to hear me on this. That is the importance of your story. It's not just about you living this out. It's as you live this out and you see God work the miracles in your life and you see God do things in your life that you would have never experienced beyond him, then you then get to share that with other people. Now, your life's not going to become the 67th book of the Bible, okay? So that's not what I'm saying is that your life then becomes scripture. But your story becomes something that does exactly what John said. Your story becomes something that you share with other people so that they can believe and be led to life in Christ. That's how we live this out. You see how that works? That's 
what we're trying to do. When we live out what God's word says, then he navigates our life. He helps us live life as the storms come. And when we do that, we do it in such a way that people look at it and go, wow, how, how do you do that? And then you get to share that story with others. You know, here's another thing that, about living out God's word that I think is so important. Have you ever had that point in your life that you just get to something and you say, I have no idea what to do next? Have ever had that moment? How about when I hold that baby for the first time and I go, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I, I have no idea what to do here. Get married, okay, now I really have no idea, you know, what I'm doing. By the way, I got married before I held the baby in my hand. Just thought I'd let you know that. Um, poor, poor order of illustrations this morning on those type of things. You know, you get a new job and you just go, okay, well, what do I do with this? Or, or you know, you, you, stuff like that. Or, or maybe you're, you're facing different seasons of life and you're standing at the gate and you're, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. Well, here's why you want to build your life on God's word. Because when you do, then you will have a path to follow. You see, when I live out what God's word says, then I actually have a path to follow. Um, uh-oh. Hold on. Aha, here it is. When we have a path to follow, then we know where to go because God's word teaches us about these things. Now, remember what happened. Jesus is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, I want you to take these words of mine. I want you to put them into practice because when you do, you will have built your life on the foundation of the rock and, and you won't be carried away. And perhaps you've come to that place in life where you go, I don't really know what to do in these situations. And maybe you're even sitting there wondering today, does God's word really help me with all the areas that I need help with in my life? Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. Mount, I shared with you, it's three chapters. It's Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. Just in those three chapters, here's what's included. It's the Beatitudes. He tells us about blessings. He tells us about life and how to deal with, with mourning and, and how to deal with brokenness and how to deal with humility. Then he goes on and he teaches about being salt and light. And he talks about that when you're salt and light and living for the Lord, that people will see your works and they'll glorify God. Now, I, I'm just going to take a little side note here before I go on. We're going to talk about this one in a couple of weeks, but I love this. Jesus says that when we're living for him, that people will see our works and they'll glorify God. And we also understand, right, there's a difference between being seen doing things and doing things to be seen, right? And Jesus says, when you're living for me, you'll be seen doing things. And because of that, people will glorify God. Our works are not to be so that other people can see us. They just happen to see us doing the things and they glorify God. So he talks about salt and light. He talks about how to fulfill the law and how he came to be fulfillment of the law. He talks about anger and murder and hate. He talks about lust and adultery. He talks about marriage, divorce. He talks about honesty, dishonesty. He talks about giving. He talks about going above and beyond for those who don't deserve it in our life. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about prayer. He talks about generosity. He talks about fasting. He talks about material possessions. He deals with worry. He deals with anxiety. He deals with faith. He deals with judgment. He talks about how to seek God. He talks about producing fruit. He deals with our spirit, with our heart. He deals with mercy, relationships, works, family, physical care, our purpose, our generosity. That's just the Sermon on the Mount. That's not the whole thing. So we can trust 
that if I'm going to live my life based on the word of God, I'm going to take the words of God, I'm going to put them in my life, and I'm going to live them, that there's honestly going to be nothing that you come in contact with in this life that the word of God will not speak to. It is worth building our life on. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes these words to Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The psalmist writes it this way, Psalm 119.105, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Now, again, before you think that I'm just saying, hey, you know, it's going to be easy. You just read your Bible and do what it says. Jesus understands that that is difficult work for us at times. As a matter of fact, before he got to the illustration about the foundations, he shared a different illustration. He says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So again, you have to understand, the reason is Jesus is teaching these words is because he wants you to have life. But so many of us are deceived and distracted by what we think true life is all about, that we don't even choose to pursue what God has We come to church, we believe in these things, we participate in Bible studies, we appreciate what God has done, but do we truly live out what the Bible says? Are we all in? Are we experiencing the life that Jesus has for us? How narrow is the gate and difficult is the road that leads to life? And few find it. He's not saying nobody can get there and do the work that it takes to go there. It's worth it. Few people find it, but those who find it and those who live it experience life like promise that we have is that when you see the promise that we have is that when we choose to live out what God's word has for us, when we choose to make the When we choose to make the decision that says, when I come across something in God's word that's different than the way that I'm living my life, I'm going to choose to follow God's word, you begin to understand this. I will have everything I need when I do that. When I do that, when I live out God's word, I will have everything that I need. His apostle Peter writes these words, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Jesus is inviting you and calling you to life. He's given us his word. If you're experiencing life in such a way that you go, okay, well now what? Now what am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to trudge through this life doing whatever I can and then one day I'll get to heaven and that's, boy, that's the next big thing that we're, we're working on. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to experience life today. And the way that you experience life today is by beginning to live out God's word today. And when you do that, you'll have everything that you need. You see, God has already demonstrated this over and over for us, that he is all in on us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I just close with this question. Knowing that God is all in for me, will I be all in for him? 
You're never going to experience life at its fullest by halfway doing anything. God wants what's best for you. And knowing he's all in for me, will I be all in for him?